Hello and welcome to your weekly pod on Four Lads Had a Dream. My name's Andrew. I'm joined tonight by two of our very favourite podders. First of all, Kenny. How you doing, mate? I'm great, Andrew. How's yourself, mate? All good here. All good here. And uh, Andy, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, Andrew. I'm doing well. Bloody cold, but I'm surviving. <laughs> As ever, whenever you guys update me on the weather up there, it just makes me more and more glad to be down here in sunny London, although it's closed <laughs> down with rain all day today, so less fun. But we are where we are. Um, and hell, we've got reasons to be cheerful as well. Two uh, you know, very good wins in the bag. Um, obviously, the most recent one being particularly satisfying, given our struggles against Aberdeen. Um, there are a couple of issues around the uh, the game that we are going to discuss, which are maybe less uh, less joy inducing. But the fact that we managed to, you know, line up against a team who didn't need the additional motivation of Neil Warnock to come into the game uh, excited to try and beat us, um, and a team that we have struggled against this season as well, particularly badly. To, to go into that and uh, and come away with a three points, I, I think that was the most important thing as far as I'm concerned, Andy. Yeah, that's it. There was a bit of talk before, obviously, about getting the, the three goals and going top of the league and all that stuff. But I think just getting the wins is the most important thing at the moment. And as you said, against a team we've not done that well against this season, even in the cup final, it wasn't exactly straightforward. You know, It was a bit of a grind at times to get the win. And we made it hard for ourselves, right enough. Harder than harder than we probably had to, given the way the game was going and you know the possession we had and everything else. But not take the three points and just, as I said before, keep the pressure on, keep turning the screw. Absolutely. I think in terms of our lineup, then Kenny uh, started with Butland goals, Tav, Goldson, Suter, and Ridvan in the defence. Lundstrom and Lawrence as the uh, central midfield with Campbell, McCosland, and Matondo in the attacking mids, and then Dessas up top. I think in terms of the lineup, it was certainly attacking. Um, I, I don't think there'd be too many questions over, you know, the choice of personnel. Maybe Dessers, if you're being a little harsh, but given the run of form that he's been on recently, I don't think it's particularly unreasonable for him to um, to get the inclusion. But what were your thoughts on it when that uh, lineup got released? Uh, notable that uh, Lawrence and Cantwell were both uh, in the starting lineup. That that was great to see. I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very attack-minded. Basically playing with, with those two and your front three. We're almost playing with five up front. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a message of intent from the manager, I think. I thought that uh, the, the back four, back five, if you include the goalkeeper, picks itself, doesn't it? Uh, with Balogun being injured. So, yeah, I was really excited looking at the team. The only thing, as you said there, uh, I was kind of toying with the idea. I had a funny feeling he might go with Silva, but... Can't complain. Dessers, as you said, has been in <coughs> excuse me, decent form. So, uh, yep, I, I was happy with that. I've got to be honest. As I say, the only thing that I was surprised with was both Cantwell and Lawrence playing. I, that I didn't expect, I must admit. And I was delighted to see it, Andrew. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think Lawrence is obviously, I think, much more of an attack-minded midfielder. So, as you say, it's a statement of intent in terms of what we're setting up to do to attack. But, yeah, interesting. And I think, ultimately, it did pay off. Um, we'll obviously talk about the game in uh, in a bit more detail as we go. But, yeah, I think in terms of what you say, Kenny, it's certainly setting out your stall uh, attack-minded. Andy, we didn't have long to wait either, you know, seven minutes after kickoff. I think Rangers started really brightly uh, this game. You know, certainly not hanging around and feeling our way into the game. We um very much on the front foot. And uh, Ross McCosland has a decent strike from distance after, um, 
you know, a slip from the Aberdeen defender. And uh, Rabi Matondo is right there on the rebound to finish it up. I, I don't think it's a, it's an easy tap in there either. You know, he's still got to make a shot at a relatively close angle. But really good to see us get off the mark so quickly, Andy. Yeah, it was a great start. As you said, started really well. I thought first 20 was as good as we've seen probably any league game this season. And, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we actually had a shot at goal. You know, too often we go sideways round about the box. Somebody gets a chance, but they'll, they'll shuffle it on to somebody else. Get the shot away, test the goalkeeper. And as you said, Rabi does really well to go on the end of it and, and tuck it away. But I think the credit goes to McCausland just for getting the shot away because it's something we'd maybe lacked at times and we would go on to lack later in the half, just been a bit too fussy moving the ball about instead of just sometimes just test the goalie, get a shot away. And, well, I'm sure as we'll come to later, we, we got the rewards <laughs> for that. We did indeed. Um, we will come on to that. Um, I, I think it is something that the manager's talked about in the past before, Andy, you know, uh, wanting to change up kind of how we go about attacking. Certainly that striking from distance would pay dividends later on for us. But I, I, I think it's, it's changing up what you're doing. It, it's OK to try and walk it into the back of the net on occasion, but if that's all you're ever trying to do, well, we've seen in the past so many teams find it very easy to set up against that, just flood the box and uh, and stop us from playing through. Unfortunately, Kenny, despite our you know bright start, we didn't really do much to capitalise on it. I thought we played really well for the first 20-25 minutes, but we started dropping off at that point. Aberdeen didn't offer a great deal going forward themselves, but Unfortunately, as we've seen in the past, it doesn't take too much for them to get back into it. There's a long ball over the top, right on the half, on the 45-minute mark from Barron. And Mielski, who has, you know, let's be clear, has been in incredibly good form for them, uh, goes shoulder to shoulder with Goldson and uh, and slots the ball away to get his 20th goal of the season. Um, my old man's already dead set that we should be signing this guy, but I think it, it's a similar game, uh, a similar kind of goal that we've conceded in games past. And uh, it's frustrating to see, obviously. But do you think it's a, a it's an inherent weakness in our defence, Kenny, or is it just a case of he's just a good striker and a good runner form? Little bit of both, perhaps. Um, but listen, we, we all know we've seen this goal far too often, but over the last few years, never mind this season, um, balls over the top or balls in between the centre halves, balls in between a, you know a centre half and a fullback. We struggle with it, balls over the top. Um, and I don't really understand why. Um, the, the goal uh, on Tuesday night, uh, I, I just think that Conor Goldson's a little bit, uh, how would you put it, maybe lackadaisical perhaps. Uh, I think he thinks he's got him covered. And the, 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 literally the bounce of the ball just ha- has got him completely wrong side. Uh, and Miofsky just shows... We all respect the corner at goals, and he's just stronger than him in that position. Holds him off really quite easily, and Butland's got to come out, and he dinks it over, uh, and then it goes. Um, but, but to be honest, Miofsky's a fine striker, he, he, and he, he's he's timed his run really well. To be fair, he's he's cut in, but I don't know. I I I, I think everybody, you know, we all feel the same, Andrew. That can we just cut that goal out because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many goals this season alone we've lost like that. I can think of four or five in big games that it yeah. just keeps happening, Andrew. And I'd like to see us address that, but I don't really know how we go about it because it is a habitual failure, to be honest. Yeah. No, I think it's a worry. I think for me, it's less of a concern if you do concede that goal because it's still 
over the course of the season, relatively where we, you know, we've got the best defensive record in the league. But it's the fact that we had been so much less clinical in the run up to that. You know, if it's we're already three goals up at that point, you know, it's frustrating, but it's not a world ender. The fact that it goes into halftime with a one all draw instead, that's the frustration. But Andy, at least as far as I was concerned, I wasn't massively worried over the halftime period there. I, I felt confident we'd come back into the game. Um, I actually want to ask both of you this, you know, Andy first, but were you confident that we could find a way back into this? More so than I would have been, I think, earlier in the season. I still think when you mm-hmm. lose a goal like that, there's still that wee bit of doubt. You think, oh, here we go again. You know, we've seen this movie before. But, you know, as, as we go on in the game, as, as the manager said, I think there's a bit more trust in the team now. You know, you can see that between yeah. the, the fans and the, the squad and the management. You know, there is a trust there. And you heard the manager talking about it, actually, that he saw it in the dressing room. You know, there wasn't panic. There wasn't concern. It was a case of, you know, kind of refocus, get out there and get back to sort of doing doing what we're meant to be doing and yeah I mean I think they've earned that they've got a bit of credit in the bank now you know they're on a really good run yeah. closed the gap won a few big games in Europe and and uh, the cup final as well so no I, th- I think um, well there's always that wee bit of doubt I still think I, you know there's trust and belief there now which is important yeah Kenny uh, you in kind of agreement there do you think some of that trust is back I, well up to a point but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just a nervous soul, put it that way. I, I I couldn't believe it actually when we walked in at halftime one each. I thought we had been so dominant. I, I listen. I I understand what you two guys are saying about the last fifteen twenty minutes, but I actually thought we played really well that first half. I thought just a a total domination. When you look at yeah how we've played against Aberdeen over the first three games, uh, and look at that and how far we've improved. I was really quite impressed with his first half, I have to say. But, yeah, I was still confident we would win the game, Andrew, but uh, not 100% confident, put it that way. That's that's fair, that's fair. Um, Well, the good news was that we did eventually go on to to get what ended up being the winner. Um, I think in the second half, it was much the same as that first half. You know, I think we were quite dominant without being, you know, clinical, if you like, in the the end there. Cantwell eventually is the one who uh, manages to get this after, I mean, I think if we thought the McCoslin strike was long range, this one from Lawrence is from about 35 yards out and it's a good strike as well. Um, but the Aberdeen keeper can do nothing apart from palm it into Todd Cantwell, who had been part of this on rushing move in the first place. And Todd's in exactly the right place and slots that one home. I, it's a really good finish uh, because it's not, you know, the most straightforward angle that he's uh, shooting at again. And, uh, yeah, it ultimately turned out to be the winner, Andy. Yeah, that's it. Not too dissimilar to the first goal, except, as you said, a bit further out. But Lawrence has got that in his locker. And to come back to what Kenny said earlier, you know, I actually thought Lawrence was really important to how we played, especially the first 20, 25 minutes, picking the ball up from deep and, and threading the ball forward. But here he was again, advanced position, taking on a shot. Not get many players in the squad that can do it the way he does it there. So, you know, fair play. Goalkeeper should do better. Should always get it round the post, but that's why you shoot because the goalkeeper's not always going to do what he's meant to be doing. And yep. Campbell again following in, similar to the goal he scored against Celtic at the end of last season, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, a really tidy finish again gets keeps it low, drills it into the ground, and it's in the back of the net. And you know, at that point, you you know, huge sigh of relief given the importance of the game and you know the tension and everything else. But no, a, you know, a really good goal and good to see he's following up these things. It's, you know, there's no good shooting if nobody's there to follow in. So. Good to yep. see that happening in two occasions in the game. Uh, ideally, it would have been smooth sailing from there, but obviously we found a way to uh, make things a little bit 
uh, uncomfortable for ourselves, let's say, in the final uh, sort of 10 minutes or so. 88th minute, uh, Sterling goes in for a challenge. Um, I think it's fairly obvious from the uh, from the replays that we've seen, and we've seen plenty of the video replays there, that he does slip as he goes in for the challenge. It's at pace, which I think is uh, why the card's given, but straight red cards. He's um, he's sent off the pitch for the for the challenge, and uh, as we've learned uh, just before we started recording, that that challenge is um, despite us appealing it, and despite it also going for a VAR review as well, neither of those have been enough to uh, to get it overturned. So that uh, ban is upheld, and I believe he will miss the next two games uh, for that. So the uh, the cup game and then our next league game as well. But Kenny, I mean. We're all, all three of us are obviously talking from a biased perspective. We know what the referees have decided at this point in terms of what the decision was. But was it a straight red card for you? No, uh, no chance. Um, look, uh, we've seen the only thing I can say about this uh, to give it a little bit of context is that we've seen a number of, of decisions like this in Scotland over the last few weeks, even down south where you just look at this and you think that's never a red and they're given red cards and they're being upheld. Uh, I, I can only presume it's the pace that he's come in at. But again, he has that's slipped, as, as you that's say. What I think. Yeah, yeah. But look, Clement said it perfectly for me when he turned around and he said that if we're giving red cards for hitting, you know, catching someone's toes, there's not going to be many players left at the end of each game. Now, I'm no referee. I don't know the technicalities of this. They've upheld it. I find that slightly odd, purely on the basis that when you look at it, he's been asked to go back to the monitor, which means that the VAR referee, who escapes me who it is, and his assistant have both turned around and said that that looks like a clear and obvious error. So when you appeal that, you've got three referees there at the game, effectively, and two of them are saying that it's not a red card and one of them saying it is. So I have no idea how they can overturn that. I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, but that's not that's not to say that, look, I, I don't I don't know what to say. It's not a red card for me, but I find it really kind of peculiar that that wasn't overturned today. I genuinely do. Uh, and I'm not going to down the line of conspiracies or anything like that. I just find it odd that you've got, as I say, literally a VAR referee, his assistant, and the referee on the pitch, and you've got two different views, and they go to an appeal, and nothing happens. I don't understand it, Andrew. But not a red yeah, card I mean, for me. Yeah, and I, I don't think uh, Andy's going to be advocating for a, for a red card uh, either, to be honest. Um, I certainly didn't see it as a red card. I think it's certainly a yellow card. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but there's no serious damage done to the player. I don't think there's any real intent because it's a low challenge. Um, yeah. The fact that there is an on-field review, I mean, that alone suggests there's enough doubt about it to make a, an appeal worthwhile. But yeah. Um, anyway, speaking on a totally unrelated note, obviously, to the competence of the SPFL, um, today, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Livingston, ourselves, St. Johnson and St. Mirren all released a statement uh, together calling into question the competence of the uh, SVFL. Uh, Andy, I mean, I don't think we, we talked beforehand. We're not going to go into a lot of de- detail on this because I suspect there is much more of this story to come out. But the fact that we have six clubs all coming together to say that they have some concerns and uh, some doubts about the SPFL's ability to handle itself, particularly in an issue where it's being, you know, audited and interrogated, uh, 
uh, in terms of this uh, independent uh, report into the functioning of the SPFL board. You know, that just by itself and the fact that we now have six clubs together, six clubs who ordinarily I don't think would stand together as well, coming together to kind of question the SPFL's ability here. It's a, it's a new and ongoing, well, it's not a new concern, but it is an ongoing concern in terms of how competent the uh, guys running the game up here are. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a drum Rangers have been banging for long enough, usually in our own. But I think, as you're saying, it now shows a sort of growing concern amongst the member clubs, especially in the top flight, that, you know, the governance and the procedures within the SPFL just isn't where it should be. Just to quick out, uh, pick out a few quick points within the statement, you had the... The fact that only one club outside of the, the SPFL board uh, members uh, had input into it. You had the fact that the chairman, uh, Murdoch McLennan, released a statement without actually meeting with his own board. <laughs> and then you had the fact that the the SPFL executive actually made changes to the report before sending it to their own board members. So within the one thing, you've got you know, three really important points here that when you're talking about governance really shouldn't be happening. But just to rewind, just for a very quick minute, this investigation, this report came about because of the Singe dispute with Rangers. If you remember, it was part of the the sort of settlement and the agreement made at the end. So the yeah, entire that's where they got yeah, so where the they entire got settlement for following from, their rules. You know, poor governance. And within that process, you had the mess they made of that. You know, parts of Hamilton had to take them to court because they weren't included. In, a, in the process when they should have been. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's no surprise now that you have growing support or growing concern, should I say now, about the, the SPFL and, and those running it because, you know, just time after time now, it's, 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 it's a bit of a farce, to be honest. It is indeed. And as I said, I suspect we'll be talking about this a bit more in detail uh, as, uh, as more of the story comes out. Kenny, one final point then, uh, you know, in con- probably continuing the theme of SPFL incompetence, our cup game this weekend will be refereed by Willie Collum, so I'm sure he'll get a warm reception, uh, along with the managerial team of A United as well, uh, Scott Brown and Stephen Whitaker. So it'll be a very happy return to uh, to Ibrox for them, mate. But ultimately, I think this is just an opportunity to go another step further in the club uh, in the cup competition. I don't think we have a great deal to be concerned about this, despite the uh, appearance of a couple of pantomime villains. What a trio that is turning up on Saturday. Eh? What a horrible Beautiful. bunch. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, look, Colin will get a hard time. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt in that. But the other two, I wouldn't even acknowledge, to be honest. Uh, it's Air United. Get them, you know, get them dispatched with uh, as best we can, you know, as quickly as we can. Um, look, to, to go back to the SPFL very quickly, Andrew, I've talk, I've written about them for years. Uh, they're not fit for purpose. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, but to go back to the, the air game, look, I'm looking forward to it. I actually think it's, you know, this league is going to get to the point where uh, there's a frenzy at every single game. So it's a little bit of a distraction going into the Scottish Cup. So I'm looking forward to it, Andrew. Uh, and... It'll be interesting to see what what kind of team he puts out on on Saturday as well, because I think there'll be a a fair amount of rotation, obviously, Andrew. Yeah, I think if you look at, you know, we're going to have Ross County afterwards as well. I believe that's our game in hand as well. So I know, uh, even though Phil says he doesn't look at the table, I suspect he'll still be quite keen to ensure that we get all three points there. But he's not really shown a lot of inclination for rotation for rotation's sake. I suspect we will see a new keeper. But beyond that, it's a difficult one to kind of pick out the team, but it will certainly be interesting to see what we go with. And as you say, I think get them dispatched, 
as you as you put it, uh, with a possibly a little bit of self censoring there. And um, we will uh, we'll see how we go uh, uh, into the next rounds. I believe the draw will be held on the Sunday, so uh, we should know by the uh, end of the weekend who we've got up in the next round. Um, we're obviously far far over our time, and we don't want to have Stevie coming around to break my knees, so. I'll, uh, I'll just quickly go around both of you. Andy, you first of all, mate. Uh, thank you for coming on and having a chat about all things Rangers with me, mate. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Kenny. Pleasure to be here. Lovely stuff. And uh, Kenny, as always, mate, a pleasure to talk to you. Yep. Thanks, lads. That was good fun. Uh, nice to be back on. Enjoyed that. Indeed. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you continue to do so. Uh, we've really enjoyed all the feedback um, that we've had so far, so we encourage you to keep doing that. Uh, we'll ha- we'll have our spiel after the end credit music, but um, we do encourage you to follow, like, share, and subscribe because all of those things help us grow, help continue to get the word out, and uh, yeah, spread the spread the little podcast uh, that could. So, thank you all for listening. Until we talk to you again, bye for now. Four Lads Bite Size Podcast is exclusively sponsored by Rhino Express in association with Zenith Coins, Alexander Campbell Interiors and Wrenchers Pools. Please don't forget to drop us a like and a follow if you enjoy all our content and if you're listening on a podcast channel, please subscribe as it really helps the podcast grow. We hope you enjoyed the show. Bye for now.